Welcome to Mohobe Nuggets of Wisdom podcast. My name is Mumpulu Kiluruma Mohobe. Our objective is to enthuse, inspire, energize, and empower entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of all stripes here in BW and beyond. We do so by inviting these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs into our makeshift studio. Sometimes we call them to the restaurant, sometimes we go uh, to our studio and we ask them to share their experiential knowledge, their experiences and their expertise. And we ask them uh, as many questions as we can aimed at empowering you also as a viewer. Hello dear viewer, dear listener, my name is Mumpulu Kiluruma Mohobe. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of Mohobe Nuggets of Wisdom podcast. We do our best to bring you uh, life-changing uh, entrepreneurial information, something that you can take away, something empowering, something inspiring, something uh, energizing. And today I have a wonderful entrepreneur who happens to be also be a radio personality, who happens to be a multiple author as well. And his name is Mr. Huizeman Kutsafala. Welcome to our makeshift studio here at Black. Thank you. Thank you for having me, sir. Okay. Yeah. Do me a favor and just uh, share with the viewers your background, uh, your training, and what you do for a living. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Huizeman Kutsafala, and um, I'm from Mahalape. I think it's very important to always highlight that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I, I trained with ABM University College in Accounting and Finance. And uh, right now I, I practice as an entrepreneur, a radio personality, also um, an author. I have I've written two books and um, I host the show on RB2FM every Monday uh, for young people and business. And then also, I, I think I would like to believe that I, I, I was given a singular opportunity of life to propel humanity mm. um, you know, towards making their own mark in the world. So I feel like majority of the things that um, defines who I am, they're mostly trying to uh, super emphasize that point. Yeah. Aren't you also a content creator and a blogger? Because I've seen you write very lengthy articles on Facebook. Yeah, I do. Um, I happen to once in a while, mm. which is once in a week, uh, mm. write something that God inspires me to write to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, telling stories of either my childhood, my mom where I grew up. Um, I feel like I was given the, one of the best families in the world that gave me the stories that inspires a lot of people. Because a lot of people will happen to be going through the same thing that I've um, gone through in their quest for happiness and trying to make a mark in the world or trying to make ends meet. So I always happen to have an idea that inspires somebody to keep looking at the page to read the next post. Okay. Could you also talk about the vehicles that you use in your entrepreneurial journey in terms of the companies that you run? And what they do? Yes, um, I on, on when I was 18, second semester in my first year, I created my first project, which was an NGO. It's called All Brilliant Minds Organization. Which one? So All Brilliant Minds Organization, or Albrimo for short. Mm. So what we focused majority uh, of the time on was to. We came in at a time when the the academic performance of the students was dropping drastically. Uh, to a point where we had more people going home at Form 3 than those who were going to Form 4. Mm. So I came up with uh, a group of our team members uh, who were my classmates at the time, and then we created a platform where it allowed people to volunteer at that time um, to tutor children. So right now, eight years later, um, the, the organization reached over 9,000 to 19,000 students 
um, every single year. So what happens there is that people volunteer to give tutorials, career guidance, and more and more and more. And then uh, 2015, I did um, start a company called Launched International. Mm. And uh, it, it runs, it's a business and entrepreneurship development agency. So mm. what we also do there, we run a program called Project 124, which we started in 2016. And um, currently we are doing it with the Holland Insurance Company. Mm. And uh, most of the, what we are doing there is to give the young people a platform and a chance to be able to learn uh, business skills and more and more. One thing I'm curious about is Project 124, because I think it's making a difference in young people's lives and entrepreneurs' lives. So I want you to explain the speaking component and then the mentorship program that you have. Yes, um, when, when we envisioned Project 124, mm. at the time um, we didn't have this I amazing idea that we have now. Mm. And at the time we were more passionate about um, helping young people to um, find themselves in a platform that gives them access to mentorship, mm -hmm. um, to training, professional training, to resources that they're able to facilitate um, and incubate ideas and facilitate their growth into establishing those businesses. Um, we didn't know that four years later we would have reached 1,391 entrepreneurs. Say that number again slowly. 1,391 um, uh, entrepreneurs. Wow. And, yeah, and what we have created 37 businesses fully fleshed businesses that are employing people on a daily basis. So that to us was the immediate idea of what we wanted to do. Like I was saying earlier, it was more about, for me, it's more about uh, propelling young people towards making their mark in the world. Mm -hmm. And when we build bridges like Project 124 or my, most of our mentorship programs, um, those platforms are to try to help people to find themselves and to mm -hmm. find the mark they want to make in the world and then give them the tools to do that. So all my mentorship programs um, facilitate specifically that for the young people that feel like they are called by God for nations and to make much bigger uh, mark on the world. Okay, just so that people can appreciate this, I really believe that uh, you know your test is your testimony, so to speak. What are the these businesses that have really come through among the thirty-seven? Is there any one or two that you say? They're proud of and they've come through, and you're able to say, yes. Yeah, uh, we have we have many actually. To even pick one or two, it's also a very big tough um, thing to do. Because I could mention one at the top of my head. There's a little girl. Um, she's actually very old. I just call her a little girl. <laughs> so her name is Dijinle Moreki. Yeah. yeah, I think she was in 2019 cohort, mm. and at the time she came and said, we have an idea to make an organically, a natural organically made skincare products mm. and at the time it was just a concept and a few tries here and there and we're talking about somebody who's currently distributing those products all around the country in so many uh, shops around the country um, we have uh, just this morning what kind of products uh, skincare products mm -hmm. so this morning i was in malapola as well um two of our participants who were in the other one was 2018 and another one 2017 they want to show me their farms and what they're actually doing in that mm -hmm. place. Um, on Facebook, even if you go into our website, you read a number of people, some of them in travel and tourism, some of them in multimedia, who actually learned one or two things 
I, it's amazing to see the business that you once had. This is what somebody's wanting to do. Mm. So a lot of people, when you talk about Project 124, they assume that we want to take a platform and actually do everything for the people. I think that's what makes the difference between our people and the rest of the people that I've, meet, I've met all over the country when they're talking about uh, platforms that help entrepreneurs. Mm. Our people are not successful because we make them successful. They're successful because they're hungry enough mm. um, to do what they want to do. Mm. We act like a catalyst in helping them to achieve that. Mm. So we can't necessarily take 100% credit on that because the majority of it actually goes back to them to implement the same thing that they have learned from our platform. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's now get into the meat of the subject. We're really going to try and, and dissect um, the issues that you deal with, questions of purpose, questions of uh, business life purpose. And for this, I think the starting point is seasons. You say that everything is seasons and people have to see the seasons in their life, the seasons in their business. Can you speak to this concept and what exactly you want the viewer to understand? I think it's, it's important that people know the value of time, mm. not only in terms of managing it, but understanding the time in, its, in the sense of a season. Mm. Majority of the businesses that fail, majority of the projects that fail, they don't fail because they were wrong project. It's because the timing was wrong in most cases. And when you don't know the season, I think the Bible says the sons of Isaac knew the times and the seasons, not just to know them, but to know what to do um, per time. And that's one of the things that I feel like um, our people in, the, in this country, they only focus on the things that they want to do. And they don't focus more on understanding the time for it. If you read stories about the Wright brothers, for example, when they were creating the airplane mm. um, in the first place, you read that majority of the time that they took was to try to find the right wind that they were going to help them to be able to sail their plane in a way that they wanted to do it for. Mm. And you see most of their trials and errors is that it's not only because the plane was not working, was because the place at which they were doing it at and the time they were doing it at and the circumstances of that season at the time were not favorable. Mm. There are people, by Lohor, for example, they have tried projects in, the, in our country and they actually quit those things because they feel like they don't work. They don't investigate why didn't this thing work. Mm. There are people who create businesses today and mm. these are things that should have um, been done maybe 10 years ago. Mm. And then some, there are people today that are actually pursuing businesses, but these are things that are going to be viable in the next 50, 100 years. Yeah. So it's always important to know what time is it in the world. And even personally, you mm. need to know um, your time and your season because it's always important. Yeah. yeah. So Christopher, when you talk about seasons, one thinks of the four seasons, summer, autumn, winter, spring. Yeah. You know, and, and, I'm, I want, and then we want to apply that to business. Are you saying that there's a summer in business, the winter, there's autumn and spring? And help people understand that in terms of seasons applying to business. 100%. The, in as much as there is a season like that, like you say, uh, summer, water, uh, winter and spring, mm. those um, seasons also apply in human life. Um, in they also apply in business. And you are not always going to have a summer experience your mm. whole life. We can assume that to be great moments of your life in your business. You are not always going to have winter season. Mm. God made these seasons because all of them, they play critical and very important um, uh, role in your life, in your business. The winter season is there to strengthen some parts of your business that actually fortifies your strength. Mm. I keep telling people this, that 
we focus a lot on the people we want to be and the businesses we want to build mm. and not in the journey of getting to that place. Mm. I think one of the things that makes me more excited about my own story and my own journey is that I am not fascinated by um, where I am going more. I'm fascinated about the stories of my day-to-day experiences of who I am today because I think I'm more in love with the pers- with, with the person I am becoming in the process the of the, process. And the evolution than mm. the destination itself. Mm. Okay. Building with absolutely nothing. I've read a book by a gentleman called uh, Damon John yeah. where he talks about the power of broke. And where he glorifies this idea of being broke and using it as a power to get somewhere. Mm. But I see you are bringing it up here, the idea of starting with absolutely nothing. That is not necessarily a disadvantage. Can you elaborate that concept? Can you elaborate on that concept? Yeah, I think we exist in a time of great people who decided to sit on the ideas that they have and the vision and the dreams they have and on the account of resources. Majority of the people will say, I don't have the money to pursue the business. Mm. A lot of people would say, I don't have this that I imagine I should have for me to be able to start this, mm. which actually created a wrong mindset, which creates the difference between Botswana entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs elsewhere. Mm. I mean, just this morning I was telling um, the, the audience that if there was, there, were, there was a story I read about some four boys in Ghana. Mm. Um, the youngest was nine, the oldest was 11. Their father died and left them with the farm. Um, those guys, if you, if you read the story, you'll find that these guys, what they did is they knew we have something that we can use, that we can start with. And this is the same mindset that um, our people here don't have. Mm. They are waiting to have a funding, maybe from government, to start at a certain t- stage mm. uh, a bakery. They don't know that this microwave they have in their house or the spoon or the laptop, whatever they have, is the one thing that um, they cannot see. Because they are focusing more on the things they don't have, they can't see the one thing that they have that yeah. can actually get them forward. So those four boys, they went into the bush, four young kids, mm. um, and all of them, none of them is actually a teenager, mm. nine years old, 11 years old, oldest. And they m- went to create uh, the mold, the flowery molds mm. um, with wood. They literally cut the wood down, made the molds, and they got the seed and they planted 600 hectares, just the four little boys. Mm. And imagine how big 600 hectares is. Mm. They, planted, they planted potatoes in that farm that mm. their fathers gave to them. Mm. And what I liked about it, they took a picture of a, of a mold here. They put mm. it here, mm. they saw it, they imagined the concept. They cut the wood into that thing that they're looking at, mm. and they plowed it. We're talking about people that are actually supplying a whole bunch of potatoes right now. Um, this is a story five years ago. I'm not talking yeah. about things from way, way, way back. Mm. Four, five years ago, right now, these guys are actually running a multi-million pula venture mm. in, in potatoes. In Ghana. And in Ghana. So people, mm. what they do is, in our country, they are more focused on, when I they need don't to have. have this me to start mm. not i have this and i can grow I, and scale I, I, I really want you to develop that a bit further because i am always saying to my audiences as well when i speak it's not about resources it's about resourcefulness yes help the people understand that why is it more important to be resourceful than to be resourced why 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 is it more important to be hungry than to have the money i think the, the real hunger people who suffer from this have, it's ego-based, mm. is not the hunger in, in their stomach. Per se. I don't know if that's come out right, but mm. what I'm trying to say is... Yeah, because it's resourcefulness. It, it's, mm. it's, 
it sometimes you would you would be in a point where you are thinking more in and around how does it look like for me to try this when I don't have that because that will give me this level of access to that then this can be able to happen because resourcefulness in most cases when you have to be the circumstances that actually put you to be able to decide to be more resourceful is that you are in lack and some people when they find themselves in this very position what they choose to do is not to do what they're supposed to do because they feel like the more resources the more they're able to preserve themselves from not failing mm. which is actually something that you are robbing yourself mm. of the opportunity to learn one thing mm. i feel and last point in this is that I, I i'm a core believer on majority of the scriptures that i live by that mm. it's better to have small thing that you can start with mm. and learn the faithfulness to be able to be a steward unto the small thing mm. because it builds the capacity within you to be, be able steward. to be trusted with much and to scale and to grow into much bigger thing mm. because there's no dignity in arriving at a big stage of your life mm. when your capacity capacity is very small to be able to withstand yourself there because you will arrive but you will last for three months mm -hmm. or you will stay here in this position for 10 years to learn how to learn to manage the whole thing mm. so that when uh, 10 years later you grow into that you're able to survive that stage for more than a hundred years mm. you can even be able to build things that can outlive you so now mm. that's my my level of thinking yeah. of saying this is the why part of why you have to learn to be resourceful because mm. that's where growth is it's more it's not only about getting to certain stages is to be able to stand there yeah. and grow from there wonderful now let's talk the vision thing which is the next point we want to talk about the importance of having a vision what would you say is the vision for project 124 and also your other business which is launch africa launch it yeah launch it yeah tell us about these two businesses and give us the vision for them what I imagine in my mind, it's something that will happen years after I have long departed from Earth. Mm. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like me when I go through down this road. <laughs> and but the truth is, I I am yeah, not good company, building something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not building something that I'm hoping to see its success tomorrow. Mm. I know that it's gonna take a long time to be able to arrive to its full maturity. But I'm imagining a homegrown product that we've built and it can be able to grow internationally and this the story is not in its growth internationally but it's in the number of people is able to impact even in countries in east africa mm. i mean you look at countries like uganda right now you look at mali just yesterday i was in a, a virtual meeting with somebody who's running a project in mali and the he's running in uh, the one two four no uh, my ngo albrimo so Al these Brimo, people yes. they are mentoring kids who are uh, in terms of education Right here, Albrimo, what they do is they mentor and, and tutor kids who already have teachers in place. Mm. We are talking about countries where there's one teacher against 200 students. Mm. And we are talking about a place where government is not giving privilege and opportunity that we are being given here in Botswana. Mm. And I'm not building projects that are, gen are going to give me what we call uh, great branding in a country because we're just doing most, I think most of us, we want to do it because to be celebrated for what we are doing. Mm. I want to create a long lasting impact in mm. countries and communities that cannot do anything for themselves. Mm. I mean, that will give me much greater um, pleasure than to be a big thing in Botswana. Mm. I would rather be an average thing in at least 50 countries mm. as long as i'm propelling more people to make their own mark in the world than to be a big thing in the, in, in one country mm. when i know deep down in myself i'm not creating any impact i'm just creating more and more branding 
Within the context of that vision, I had the privilege you invited me as a judge recently at the uh, you know, Stanbig Incubation Hub. I don't know what they call it exactly. But there were about 25 people pitching, out of which me and the other judges from A and B really liked two. Um, what can we do in terms of pushing that vision forward of improving these uh, youngsters in terms of making their pitches more successful, making their businesses more investable so they can attract capital, attract investors? I, I think, honestly speaking, um, the, the one thing that we really need to do is to really pause and ask ourselves again the one question of what exactly do our entrepreneurs need? I think for the longest time we have assumed and observed and concluded on what they need. Mm. And majority of us are of the view that they need funding for businesses. They are those who are of the view of they need market access internationally. They are those who are of the view of they need government to be able to um, uh, uh, raise certain regulations here. And all of these which are correct. Mm. But one of the things that we don't, where I feel like we have created a much bigger gap is we have grown ourselves in this thing of teaching entrepreneurs that we have left a lot of people. We are, not, we are now too complex for a lot of people. Mm. I wish we could go down to simplify mm. things for the, somebody who's in the streets, who's selling um, whatever they're selling under the tree, a tree somewhere in a, in a rural place, mm. are able to understand. I know we can always uh, bring in big terms uh, in terms of trying to get them to know exactly how to pitch. Mm. So my question would be, is, do they really know how to pitch? Because pitching is something that you do in front of an investor for a specific uh, uh, purpose. And most of the time, you have to be somewhere in terms of your traction mm. to be able to make that pitch to go to where you want to go. Mm. But how many entrepreneurs are out there in Botswana who needs to go to a stage where they now need to be able to consider mm. uh, doing pitches? So I think right now, my heart is more on those people who say, I don't necessarily want to um, grow that far. I just need to start here mm. to manage to grow here. And because I feel like if we are to teach more people to grow by themselves at that stage, mm. it will be easy to invest into them when they're scaling because they know how to value mm. the value of 1,000 pula. They yeah. know how to make 1,000 pula 10,000 and they're able to grow from that. And I feel like as a country and also as an co ecosystem, it's very important that we're able to know the real needs mm -hmm. of our entrepreneurs and where to meet them yeah. and why to meet them. And then lastly, we need to learn the danger of the help that we are giving our entrepreneurs. When we throw money at everyone, mm. what is the danger in doing that? Mm. And what is the long-term uh, plan in that when we are now going to get to a point where we have invested in 100 people, none of it did not work, and mm. all of us don't want money, and all of us actually, we are bent mm. out. When we are getting invited next time to say, let's give money to um, um, your entrepreneurs, which happened in South Africa, mm. no one is coming to the part. Yeah. Um, you go into Kenya right now, Kenya used to be where everybody's flooding money. Right now, people are flooding money in Rwanda. Mm. And very soon, everybody has been, uh, uh, lately, they have been pulling back from this mm. because they are now realizing actually what our entrepreneurs don't need is cash. It's the last thing they need mm. because we have made people to believe that they need money to start and we've robbed them of the principle of God which is growth. Mm. Learn to take your spoon and build your kitchen. Then we'll build your kitchen everywhere with our funding. Based on what you're saying and based on my experience at the ANB, it seems to me that the entrepreneur for the most part needs mentorship yeah. needs mentoring more than anything else how can we 
uh, me and you and others in this space teach the market to ready it and to help the entrepreneur uh, and have the market focus more on mentorship and on training so that the entrepreneur is ready to deal with situations uh, that emerge because you already talked about the power of starting with nothing and it seems to me you and me are of the same mind that even if you start with 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 nothing if you have the right mindset there's no limit to what you can achieve yeah i i think what we need to also do uh, and you are right in saying that mentorship it's it's a very critical thing there's nothing i would rather take men- mentorship from from a from a person like you mm. than to get you hundred thousand and mm. go start something that's just how i am and i believe that majority of the people that have gone through our platform they are of the same view mm. actually our 85 percent of our people all the time in project 124 at the end of the program where they're supposed to meet investors majority of them don't want to because they feel like we've learned something mm. that we can be able to grow ourselves as long as mentorship bring accountability because to me mentorship is not something that just teaches or we, s- we share content mm. is something that connects uh, mm. those mentees to mm. something it's something that builds the mentee mm. and as long as our people or the people that wants mentorship for example from you don't view you as somebody that I'm not only going to learn I am going to be able to get access to the network that you have mm. not because i'm asking for it but because you see the growth in in me that mm. i've shown over the years mm. and you believe it's now time for me for, for you to trust me with your level of access and network into what you are doing mm. you are able to resource because mm. you are a mentor and this is not something that is a has a broad perspective mentorship is narrowed and it should always be narrowed because i believe that as a mentor when you have priority over everyone mm. then you have no you have no priority on anyone really mm. yeah. because even the things that you are doing i think we also have to revise how we see entrepreneurs we have at entrepreneurship we have advertised it as something that is for everyone and mm. therefore even our flyers when we put out there the danger of this the downside of this mm. is that we have attracted a lot of people who shouldn't be here in the first place yeah. and at the time of deciding that we have made other people to look at entrepreneurship as this fancy thing in an inverse side of saying yes. if you are yeah. not an entrepreneur then there's something wrong with you yeah, and then there are people who have pushed themselves into this and this is majority of the statistics that we can't when you say 85 percent of businesses are failing mm. we have to get people to understand the basic of what god has created in our market okay he wants entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurs and he needs people who can be business leaders mm. and directors and CEOs and, the and CFOs. As I call the intrapreneurs, yes, yeah. I, I watched your video the other time when you were talking about it. Yes. And you beautifully put it. We mm. have to build both mm. in the level of purpose. Because I think right now, more people are being driven by what's happening, which is everyone needs money, everybody's building a brand, everybody's doing this. Mm. And majority of people have decided to see for the thing I'm actually called to do, mm. which looks small in the eyes of people, compared mm. to what everybody's doing, I would rather do what everybody's doing because mm. it gives me prestige in the world, mm-hmm. and but at the expense of what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Can we dignify through mentorship every single contribution that mm. human beings are, yeah. are, are, are being given by yeah, God? Yeah, that, 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 that really uh, connects nicely with my next point, which is trusting the process. Mm. Um, uh, that there's need for us to believe in the process itself. Uh, help me help help me communicate to the viewer the importance of trusting the process I think one of my greatest um, moments in life was when I had to finally agree that I'm living the life I'm living 
because in as much as it was not pleasurable at the time and you look at the circumstances surrounding you i mean i was born um my, my dad had 22 children um when i was being born okay and my mom had eight children so you're born in a family not exactly a family per se to, well, to, well, to, to a couple uh-huh. um which collectively gives the you polygamous uh, rela- um, yes family. It automatically gives you mm. 28 siblings and you raise how many 28 siblings so yeah. all together That's so a huge number it's a huge number unbelievable a lot of people don't believe me when i say this mm. yeah, but it's true and you are born in namibia and three months later you, your mom migrates with you and you're going to, to Botswana to start off a, a, a life mm. and this woman already has eight uh, other seven children so you are the eighth you are the youngest mm. she still has children who has to go to school mm. and she doesn't have a job Mm-hmm. So she has to start looking into herself and she looks into, I have this uh, skill and gift to do one, two, three, four, five, to make my family survive. Mm. And that, that process on its own of knowing exactly where you are and why you are where you are and where are you going, yeah, I think it's a very critical thing that even for me, when it came for me to find mm. myself in another moment, I remembered my mom to say, my mom is not where she used to be when I was born, and I know the circumstances of then. Mm. And I surely I am going somewhere in my life, mm. and I don't have to be impatient about getting to there. What I need to be more um, putting my mind into is why am I where I am right now? Mm-hmm. Is it for my distraction? Is there something I have to learn? Mm. I, I know how it, it feels like. It's always like. for your instruction. It's always for that, yeah. Mm. I, I, I know how it feels like to be homeless. Mm. And uh, really? sleep, sleeping, yes, in, in the city. Yeah, mm. as a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> a celebrity, homeless celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. At the height of your career, and you are sleeping on somebody's couch. Mm. At the height of career, you are sleeping on somebody's kitchen. Mm. At the height of your career, you are sleeping uh, on somebody's house because they travel somewhere. And you are moving. One today you are living in this house, next day you are living there. Yeah. I know how it feels like to be in that moment. Mm. And I feel like a lot of us, when we find ourselves there, we always have a choice because I can always guarantee everyone that you will go to that moment of your life. At some but point. But the question is, why are you there? Because I feel like I, I thank God I, I went through it because I always thought I knew myself mm. until I was there. Mm. I had to learn how to quit my, my I, had, I had to quit just pursuing because I just want to get to somewhere. Mm. I had to learn to be okay with less mm. or even nothing. I had to learn to be okay to know that my value is not in the things I have. Mm. My value is not into the things that I am doing. Mm. My value is not in where I stay. My value is within me. And I believe that... You're sounding, that, like, yeah. uh, you're sounding like Apostle Paul when he said he's always content whether he has plenty or not. I'm paraphrasing. Or has yeah. very little. He's, he's disciplined himself to be content. Yeah. So that, that experience... Mm. asked me the toughest questions that I never, I think I was in too much noise where you see the question coming to you but you are able to dodge because you are in the people mm. and a lot of things are going well for you which the funny thing people will ask yourself how can you be homeless when you have a business and you are making money mm. God can set you up 
that you make money and you get nothing from it mm. and you still choose do i pay rent for my office or do i pay rent for my house because you can't do both yeah there was a time where i i was i was staying in an office um which we rented and the people I'm used sure to think the landlord didn't know that. they didn't i don't think they know that <laughs> you have to cut this part <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i i actually told him it's my friend it's a friend of mine so mm-hmm. they thought i'm always the last to go home and I'm always the first in. Mm. I just don't know. I never went nowhere mm. for 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 a li- for a very long period of time. And these are things that I don't tell people. Mm. But I choose that today, right now, is time for somebody to know because you trusted the process. Yeah, you trust that process of of being in that moment. You mm. trust the rejections that you get. Mm. Five years I got rejected by so many radio stations, um, applying every single year. I applied for the Mandela Washington Fellowship, for example, since 2013, and they've been rejecting me ever since. And I keep telling my friends, they told me, do not apply. You, you saw they don't want you. Mm. But my heart tells me, the same way your mother has taught you, keep trying. So I tried, tried, tried until um, in 2020, mm. um, they actually accepted me into the cohort. Mm. I think majority of the things that I have right now that in terms of material stuff, the things that I have done, they're a product of persistence and so res- did you go to overseas? We're about to go to the US yeah. anytime now. So that thing is mm. what I'm saying that mm. when you trust the process, which means not just staying in a in a in a in a in a in a part of your life which you don't like, but knowing the purpose that that moment it serves in you, mm. because you know it builds someone in you yeah. that can be able to be trusted with more. And the moment you go through that phase, like I was saying earlier with the seasons, this season will come. It's not there to stay forever. I know it, when you are in it, it doesn't feel like <laughs> it will pass at yeah. any point. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to take five years or ten years. It mm. can take a week or a day in your life. Mm. As long as you identify what is the yeah. lesson in this. But it can and take long. Learn. And it can take long. Mm. As I, think as not, I don't think when God allows you that season, mm. I don't think like the children of Israel, he doesn't say you go there for 400 years. I think yeah. our generation, we are the ones who determine how long we are mm. going to stay in that it's season. It's a matter of when we are going to learn yeah, the lesson. When do you learn the lesson? If mm. you if it comes today, you learn it today, you are out tomorrow. Mm. If you refuse, like a lot of people, they know what they need to learn, mm. but they keep uh, learning everything else. But that lesson will repeat and you'll stay in that season until you learn together. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's beautifully put, really. I, I love that. The difference between entrepreneurs and business people, Yeah, is there a distinction? I would like to believe so. Uh, mm. When I wrote my book, I didn't know which one because you think like an entrepreneur, act like a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And it's a great book. Yes. So the title is a bit scary. And I, I know you didn't like it at it first. At first, <laughs> yeah. I, I had to so, get used to it. Yeah. So I, I think I made a, a very important discovery there because a lot of us, when somebody's in business, they can you can interchangeably ask, call them an entrepreneur or a business person. Mm. And the majority of the reason why a lot of people, they cannot explain why they're going through the circumstances they're going through in business, they can't solve them, is because they don't know this thing. And I feel like, like for example, I'll just share with you. I figured that entrepreneurs are people who actually study the lives of other people and um, for the purpose of identifying the problems that they can create solutions and they enterprise those solutions. And that's how they end up 
owning the business that mm-hmm. they have. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this because the truth is the experiences of entrepreneurs are completely different from the experiences of people who are just business people. Mm-hmm. Because business people, are, they don't study people's lives. Mm-hmm. They're not into business to solve a problem. They are in there because they study the market and identify products and services that are profitable in those markets. Mm-hmm. And they use whatever advantage they have to be able to enterprise the opportunity, mm. not to enterprise the solution, the opportunity that they're given, mm. the enterprise that and opportunity. there's a big difference. That's a it? very big difference. So if you look closely. the solution versus enterprising the, the opportunity the that opportunity, you have. Yes. So, and if you look very closely, you see entrepreneurs, they actually own the business, the, the products and services that they create. Mm-hmm. And the business people, they own the markets that they have. Mm-hmm. And also, this is not an era in the world. It's something that I, be like, I believe God has created uh, because we were built differently. Mm. We look at the characteristics that makes uh, most entrepreneurs, their introvertedness, which doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, their social skills that are always low. Mm. Most of that is because that's how most creative people are generally made to be. Mm. And you look at the charisma of the people that know how to you know, co- generally communicate and relate with anyone and convince mm. anyone on anything. And those people have this thing to move people to want to buy anything that mm. they want to, to, to mm. sell. Mm. So this is why I'm saying if you don't, if you trade in business, not from this understanding of exactly what is the value that I'm supposed to add to the market that I'm entering. Mm. Are you entering because you want to make money? Because there's nothing wrong with it as long as that's what you are designed to be. Mm. Or are you entering because you want to solve problems? Mm. It takes 10 years for an entrepreneur to break, to break even. It takes six to ten months for a business person to break even. So wow. sometimes you need the, the t- for to take to spend ten years on the J curve mm. to be able to sustain a vision because you have it. To stay through all the challenges that you go through to be resilient mm. is not something that you do because you are just a hard person or mm. hardcore person. Mm. It's mm. because mm. you see something beyond and yes. you are willing to trust this ten-year process mm. without quitting. No matter how much losses you get, mm. uh, whether you sleep in an office, you it's get homeless, you stay. You, resi- you stay resilient because you're, is you, the purpose of it, you know, I stay because I am supposed to go there and I must go through this season mm. of starting my business. Mm. And that's why I'm saying um, it's always extremely important to know these two differences mm. because it will help you a great deal going forward to know uh, when I see somebody break even and buying a car um, in 10 months, there's nothing wrong with me not buying a car in 10 years. Mm. And you will go through those things where people are wondering, can't what is wrong with you? And even yourself. And you might, they might not ask you, you might ask yourself the question. Mm. When you see people coming in today, a big tomorrow. And when you've been small for as long as people know you, the day you choose to quit is because you compared yourself with somebody who's supposed to have a different experience. I was giving an example this morning of um, look at how long the pregnancy of cats take and dogs and elephants and human beings. Mm. And imagine an elephant um, becoming impatient when they see the cat goes to give babies <laughs> and then the dog follows mm. and then the human follows. Mm. And it's been two years since being pregnant. Mm. And that's what I'm saying, that when you know who you are, <laughs> a good you example. are able to know to how to be resilient because mm. it you are operating your business from that core knowledge and understanding of mm. why am I here in the first place. Yeah. Let's talk about the COVID dividend. I mean, we're in the middle of COVID and um, you you put it nicely to say it's a dividend, meaning that it's like a company pays a dividend, which mm. is like profit. So help people understand how there can be a dividend and exactly what dividend that is. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the view and of, of this that 
there's all, you always have a choice when you go through anything in your life. Mm. I think luckily for me, it's I have a mom who's one of her biggest strength is humor. I think you needed one if you had children that you know how you, you know how to feed. And because of that same nature of how you are and where you are growing up, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a setup where my mom would make everything almost seemingly look funny. Like mm. you open up a, a, a container of polish and there's nothing in there. Mm. And she made me to be able to learn how to laugh as my first reaction to anything. Mm. And I believe it gave me a chance to look at most of the circumstances of life from another tip, yeah, different point of view. And because of even that, tragedies even, you even tragedies as, as big as a, as a pandemic, mm. when it happened, a lot of people panicked. And I remember the, the time when we just heard that it happened and might come to Africa, we, we freaked out. And the day we heard that it came to South Africa, and the day we had the first COVID scare in Botswana, I believe everyone was praying that night and that it is not them. And I'm sure through that moment, you can always most feel a symptom somewhere in you mm. because you are frightened by that. Mm. I remember the first day it was confirmed that there was a COVID case in this country. Mm. And people Much chose last year. Yeah, yeah, people chose to fear. And because of that, the panic on it, on it, it makes people to operate from a point of fear, not to see the opportunity in the same COVID that it brings. Because I believe for every case that comes, there's somebody who's always rejoicing for the blessing mm. in it. So there are people who lost money and lost businesses. There are a lot of people who actually gained more mm. in the same period of COVID. So I don't think it was because some people were designed to just come and win in the time. Mm. It was because there was a level of thinking that made them to see the opportunity in the pandemic but and to interpret. But still in the middle of the COVID pandemic, um, where is the dividend? If I said, show me, show me I want to grab the dividend, <laughs> what, what, what did you tell me? I, I, I don't have a clear answer on that one. Mm. But I can tell you this, that there is in what you are doing, that if you look very closely, I'll give you an example. I believe we are headed towards our own internal pandemic as a country. Um, a, an economic crisis. I don't know if it's not going to be a global one, mm. just ourselves. Because as you read the news, as you read the, 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 the telegrams and saving grams from government, um, declaring the number, the amount of money they have um, towards doing a lot of things for the country. And then you know how much we actually really need for that. And then you ask yourself questions of if companies already gave money to help the, com the country to be able to survive COVID, and none of that money is not there anymore. We even have less than 20% of what we had to fight a possible um, second wave um, COVID, which is not just a, a COVID, it's a new strain of COVID, mm. which is much more deadly. It doesn't only attack the old people and those things. It attacks everyone. And imagine the effects of all of this on, 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 on the rest of the things that's going to happen as a people. You may, as I say this, not see the opportunity into it. But I can promise you that there is always, if you change how you see things, there's always how you are able to see an opportunity. For example, you are in real estate. Mm. Majority of businesses are going to have to close mm. because of that. But what is the opportunity that you have? Because if people close, they're going to vacate your offices mm. as, a real, as a realtor. So now... They've already, some of them have done that. Some of them have done that. Mm. But what was their biggest problem? The problem they had was they were, they were wondering when are they going to, what are they going to pay you rent with. Mm. So is, what is the opportunity 
that gives you enough time. Like if I was you, I was gonna be buying fifty percent <laughs> stakes in companies. Mm. Yeah, I'm telling you, this mm. is the right time to do it. Mm. I own ten percent on that idea. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's the time. But not only uh, literally fifty percent. But this is the time t- for you, as Mr. Mokobe, as a citizen, mm. to say, how do you save Botswana businesses? Mm. Because the one simple thing that they don't have. Uh, that is actually pushing them out of business is the one thing that you have. Maybe this is the time for you to be able to play the role of saying, this is why it had to be you mm. to be having these properties, not the next person. Because there's a way in which you think, there's a way in which God speaks to you, there's a way and how God gave you um, the name and the resource that you have. And mm. the question is, why did you have to be the one with all these properties all over the country mm. at this time in the world and this is about to happen. Mm. Yeah. Interesting because what you're really saying is that the, the dividend comes from looking for it, looking closely at where it is, you yeah. find the opportunity. Okay, Botswana's approach to business versus the rest of the world, is there a distinction between the way Botswana see business and the, and the rest of the planet? I think so. I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to travel not to so many countries like yourself. Mm. Um, I have, I have been to South Africa. Yes. I know a lot of people will be like, ah, that's not, that's not anywhere. Mm. I went to Namibia too, mm. and I have been to Eswatini. I have been outside Africa as far as Hong Kong. Mm. I have been in the Philippines and, and and a number of those Asian countries. And this year, hopefully, I'll go to the western part of the world. Mm. And the few countries. I have traveled to this seemingly one thing that I've always been seeing that is common in all of those and when you come back home and look at our entrepreneurs and how we look at business and how we look at everything that you are doing you always see that big that big gap you will you will hear comedies about when you get into a plane that is headed towards Africa this is how it feels than on the, the same plane when it's leaving Africa mm. and it's going anywhere in the world I mean, I'm not talking about it because Meaning people what, say what does it. that mean? I don't get the joke. I, 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 I've had the opportunity to come to Africa. Mm. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's not something that most people have. Yeah. And I can tell you when you leave, like we left Hong Kong and fly into South Africa, there is this feeling that comes to you in your mind, mm. knowing that you are coming to Africa. Mm. This, um, I don't know how to, how to, uh, how to define it, but you always feel like your life somehow is downgrading mm. somehow. And bit. you look at the pace of how we do business. You look at how we actually value the idea, our level of thinking in terms of the enterprise and the solutions that we have and the opportunities that we have. And I believe that the mindset that we carry as Botswana is something that we really need to, re- to re-look into. Like I was giving an example that those gentlemen in Ghana. Mm. Some people may not have or may not be existing in those big countries which are progressive economically. There are people who, uh, like I always tell the story of William Kakwamba, it's a real life story of a small boy um, in Malawi who built um, a windmill for his community to supply farmers with water so that they can be able to supply the community with food because there was a, a drought Netflix at the time. Movie on that, it was also a Netflix movie on that one. Mm-hmm. So if you look at how these people look at what they are doing and why they are doing it, mm. you will always see a variance there between our entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in the rest of the world. The other thing is this, that I think we have made it... Are we not sufficiently enterprising? We are not. We are not, we don't, we are not applying the right pressure that we must. I don't know if it's because we are comfortable 
or what. I know a lot of people already say this thing I don't like too much of saying maybe we have to have some sort of a, a hit somewhere so mm. that we can be able to wake up. Mm. I don't think we need that to realize that we have to be able to be more serious on this. Maybe this COVID has shaken us up a bit. Which is the dividend. One of the dividend of COVID is that COVID has shown us that anything is possible. Mm. And right now, as we are speaking, is but we have for us to participate in a global economy, we have to go to the world to run businesses there, mm. which is one of the biggest difference between entrepreneurs out there and here. Mm. I mean, you look at how many people that are benefiting right now because of COVID and everybody pushing into the internet. Mm. Those people, the way they think and the mindset that they carry is what actually shows them opportunities beyond where they, where they are. Mm. And average Motona start a business that will die the day they die or they actually even die before they die. You, you're warning the entrepreneurs that don't die with your dream in you. What do we do to make sure that they don't die with the dreams in them? I think the first time I, I, I came up with that thing was I was giving a, um, a speech and the night before I had watched uh, Dr. Miles Monroe mm. and he mentioned something that I, I, I thought about for a very long time, the whole day. The late Miles uh, Monroe. The late Miles Monroe, uh, Dr. Miles Monroe was a dear mentor of my current mentor. Mm. And he said something in and around the graveyard being the richest place on earth. Mm. Um, solely because of um, in the graveyard lies people who, um, you know, allowed themselves to die with I've the I've heard Les Brown say yeah, that. Les well. Brown also always reiterated the same points in and around, you know, you have people who um, died with ideas. For example, those in the place, there, there are minds that were never opened, books that were never written, mm. and all of that. And I know people can hear it as something exciting, but I always paused for a minute to ask myself that the day I die, what other opportunities do I have mm. as a human being? And I realized that I don't have one. Mm. And I always settle people with this that you don't have one what do you mean you i don't, don't have any dream beyond my death yeah yeah mm. okay i i do have a dream to to get to heaven mm. but i ask myself the question of when i get to heaven what is the questions that i am demanded to answer i used to think that we were only on earth to just come and be born again for example accept the lord and live for the lord and we always ask ourselves that we are living for the question of salvation. Mm. And the truth is, more, more all of us, we are living beyond that. There's a, not only the question of salvation, but there's also the question of the fulfillment of purpose. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that a lot of people are running towards, which is what I always try to tell people, that um, when we say, if you are a business person, be a business person. When you're an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. If you are born to just be a musician, be that. Mm. Be dignified in the one thing that God saw fit for you. It's not because we're trying to get you to not compete with other people, but it's because this, if you were to be an average uh, on, on one thing that you're called and succeed at anything else in your life, you still have failed your life. Mm. And this is why I tell the people that the things that God has given to you, he didn't just give to you, it's because there are people that he was giving you that idea and that dream for. Mm -hmm. And the cost of you not implementing idea 
it's not just you losing from owning it, mm. but it's because there were people before before you were born from, that yeah. they were supposed to benefit from those. Mm. So you have robbed heaven of the opportunity to bless people Eish. with the things that you have. Yes. Now, even if you were born again and you enter heaven, imagine yourself entering heaven and you did not do the thing that God said you must do in the first place. Mm. And that is one of my greatest fear to say, I am on earth to literally do every single thing that God tells me due to that. Mm. There's a Bible scripture that says that to him that much is given and much, much is required. Mm. And the word required, I don't think there's a nice word mm. because it's not, it's not something that sounds to say you're going to be asked to like just the account or okay, what did you achieve, what didn't you achieve? Mm. Required means first you are required that you must have been successful in all of this. Mm. And the way when we read the scriptures when somebody was, uh, uh, when Jesus was talking about the parables, for example, uh, the parable of uh, the guys that were given the talents, another yeah. one was given five, another one three, another one one. Mm. The way in which God dealt five, with two the guy, one. five, yeah. two, and one, the guy mm. who dealt with the one talent, mm. where God ended up having to take it to give to another person, mm. and even instructing that this guy be destroyed, some I don't remember wicked, what yeah, happened. Like God that. considered a guy who did not act on the talent he gave to him to be wicked, yes. not lazy, mm. wicked, wicked, evil, meaning which you don't qualify to be have a seat in his kingdom. Mm. So well, for God to give you a dream, a business idea, to give you a purpose and you ignore it, you are rendering yourself a wicked person in mm. the face of God. Wow. It does not matter how you live your life. You may not sin, you may not do this, but for the fact that you are not doing the one thing that, that you are supposed do. to do that, it should scare you. And when I say do not this die so powerful. with the dream. I've given sermons on this, so I'm getting excited. Yeah, <laughs> so to say do not die with the dream, I'm not trying to inspire you Actually, to just don't pursue. die with the dream, launch it. Hey, don't die with the dream, launch it, because launching it, you are disqualifying yourself or you are, you are erasing your name from the list of the wicked people on this earth. Wow. So that's how you have to view it. Don't die with the dream because there are people who are supposed to benefit from that one single thing. Okay. So whether you are doubtful of yourself or whether you don't have resources, whether the only reason you can give to why you are not doing it, it is not enough because God is not careless to give you an, a dream and not give you at least a stick okay. to start that dream. So good so follow, we have one enemy and that is time. Yes, sir. So this is where now you ask me a question as we wrap up. I'll ask you a question. Mm. Let me see which mm. question to ask mm. you. I'll ask you this question. Um, looking at all the people that you look up to, what do you think is the one thing that the generation, your generation and upwards, wished that our generation could value? I, I think you touched on it to some extent. Uh, the issue of you know, mastering delayed gratification and uh, embracing the uh, the you know the talent or uh, shall i say the value of perseverance or resilience so i find that somewhere along the lines when we're busy adopting western lifestyles we totally discuss discarded some of the cultural norms that would have helped us if for instance we had adopted westernism and hung on to our systems as some people in the East have done. I don't think we'd have some of the problems that we have. If you see that the, if you notice the amount of resilience that is required in entrepreneurship, for instance, you'll find that, that those things are part of our culture. If you go back to you know, 
things like even our idioms, things like Moromoholo Kobetka he talks about shaping yourself and molding yourself and through hardship. When uh, things like Sitsereo, Lema, Relidia, but you look at So there are a lot of idioms that, uh, that, that, that speak to the idea of resilience. Um, so, so I think that, that that is the thing that I notice, especially in my children, where they want everything instant. Uh, for instance, when you tell a child they want pocket money, you say, look, do something for it. You don't just get it without an effort. They think that you are being a difficult parent. So my mentors are people like Bora Mandela. My mentors are people like Bo Jesus Christ, Bo Buddha. My mentors are some of them you know, even here in the business community, Bora Muni, Bora Mahan. Those people, if you look at them, they have been very resilient. So I, I think those are two important traits, uh, delayed gratification and resilience. If they can find a way of maybe reestablishing those uh, key ingredients of successful entrepreneurship, which you touch on, then I'd be very happy. I don't know if I've answered your question. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's your camera there. You see it? Kindly talk to that young, aspiring, hungry entrepreneur. Some of them, you've met them speak to them, give them a short motivational uh, you know, speech, elevator speech, if you like. Yeah, um, thank you. And I, I always say this, that there's no coincidence in life. All the things that actually happens expires you bumping into this video somehow. There's a reason why you have to learn this and how you feel right now because of the things that you've learned. Always remember what my mentor said, is not in what you hear that matters the most is in what you do with what you hear. And the last thing that I want to say to you is, is that, that I know a lot of us, we have delegated uh, the permission to allow ourselves to live the life that God has designed to us, to other people. And I want you to decide this today that you don't need anyone's permission to do what God said you must do and to live the life that you must do. Please liberate yourself from wanting somebody to validate why you should be what God has designed you to be. Only you and God has given this opportunity. And as I live my life knowing very well that there's a time that I'm not going to be existing on this earth. The only opportunity is right now to do this. And this is why I wake up every morning to remind you not to die with your dream, but to launch it. Amen. Now, as we part, um, just remind the viewer of your two books and tell them when they can where they can find them. Mm. And also, Tell them of your presence where you can be found on social media and elsewhere. Yes, um, I, I have a Facebook page. It's called Huitzimang J. Kuitzafalo. And you can just go to the search box and type my name, Huitzimang J. Kuitzafalo. You can follow the, follow the page. Um, also on Instagram and Twitter, same name, Huitzimang J. Kuitzafalo. And then also, you can listen to my radio show. Every single Monday, we, we, we do, I think Ms. GKs and I are doing an amazing work in trying to build, bring to you. Uh, amazing uh, conversations on entrepreneurship uh, live on RV2, and that's where you can also find me. But otherwise, I'm always grateful that you value this type of information, and if you want to learn more from us, we're available on our social media. Can you give a shameless plug on Mohobina of, of wisdom? Be shameless and tell them why they must subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have never known any better channel from a country that somebody can consistently go and learn something, not just from people, but from the right people from our country. 
that gives you the right content that actually you can apply in Botswana. Not to learn something from, um, not trying to, to, to bash anyone, but I think a lot of times, especially us, the only thing that we have learned growing up is the things that other people from other countries were sharing. And the sad reality is that a lot of times um, we've learned things from other countries which don't work in our country. So it's beautiful to see stories from our country and learn the wisdom from the people who have the same circumstances that you have in our country. So I believe this is why somebody has to follow this video, uh, the channel actually on YouTube, and share it all over the social media because you never know who else needs to hear it. Thank you very much. You've been a great guest. We've been friends for three years and you've always uh, responded when, when help is needed. Let's, uh, let's stay in touch no and do come again when we invite you. Thank you, sir. All right, cheers. Yes.